Welcome everyone to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is our movie podcast where we talk about movies uh, from the past and the present. That's something I used to say on the streams all the time. <laughs> that was weird saying that. Uh, so this is uh, continuing our trend of Patreon vote winners. Uh, because we took some months off, we have a few of these sort of piled up. We've already done a couple. This is our third one uh, in a row. This is Crimson Tide. Uh, which was the winner like two months ago, I think, I want to say on Patreon. Uh, $5 patrons and up get to vote once per month uh, on an episode. So this was uh, a winner. I believe this was uh, all vault picks. Uh, this this vote. This was a, this is a right, vault pick. Okay. So I should explain what the vault is as well. Uh, the vault is a to-do list of movies that is submitted to also by our $5 patrons. So this was like four picks from the vault were put up for vote and Crimson Tide was the winner. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do, and we will give you warnings before we go into spoilers. Uh, and also I'll pat ourselves in the back, modestly, because this is the third episode in as many weeks. We are a couple days later than normal for this one, just because uh, of schedules this week. We're a bit I, weird. I had strange shifts at work this week. Yeah, that were not normal. but still, three in a row. I'm counting it. So Yeah, we should. This is a uh, Crimson Tide, which is a submarine movie, which I had seen before a long time ago. Uh, it, you, I presume, had not seen it. I hadn't. I realized while I was watching it, I'd seen about six scenes in a, in a university lesson uh, and had not realized. Probably, that... probably because of Hans Zimmer's music, I would imagine. Yep. Yes. Yep. Pretty much. Um, Hans Zimmer's on top form as per usual. Although I wouldn't necessarily put this up there with his best. Uh, work. I think it's stock standard Zimmer, as in. Yeah, you got your big majestic themes. Well, I would say it's stock 90s Zimmer. I wouldn't necessarily associate this sound with his present day stock Zimmer. Yeah, like Zimmer. 90s, early 2000s. Yes. Because it, you know, it, you can tell it's the same Zimmer who did The Rock and the same Zimmer who did, uh, you know, a few things from that era. You got like Gladiator up to like Pirates Caribbean, still kind of in that kind of yeah. period, I would Not say. that I'm dissing it. I actually like both 90s Zimmer and modern Zimmer, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it's good stuff. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, so the premise of this film is actually quite simple. It's set in a slightly alternate world, uh, and I say that because there's, like there's like a fake Russian terrorist or you know <laughs> whoever, someone yeah. who's taken over a a nuclear base in Russia, and there's the potential that he could gain access to the codes to launch said nukes. So it's DEFCON, I think, 3 to go to when this becomes apparent early on in the film. And that means that the nuclear submarines are going out. We follow one such nuclear sub uh, where the captain of the sub is played by Gene Hackman. And his exo, his normal exo, is out with appendicitis, I believe they said at the start. And as a result, they call in uh, the, the first person on the sort of the, the recommendation list, and that is Denzel Washington, who's our second main character. And he's the new exo on this ship. Vigo Morrison's in here on a, I mean... I'd say he's like the most important side character, but he's, he's, in terms of what you think of Viggo Mortensen now as usually being one of the stars. It's definitely a, a smaller role, yeah. but it's, uh, it's a good role. And there's a few other people in there. Uh, James Gandolfini, who I'll, I'll probably refer to as Tony Soprano for the rest of this, <laughs> he's, he's got a role That's on there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a, a few other faces I recognise that I, I, I couldn't tell you what they're from. Uh, although I, I, I did notice Steve Zahn in a really small role. Uh, he was in one of the Lord... Well, not Lord Dex, it's a submarine, but like he was in like the engineering part. Yeah, know? I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I, I think of and the Star Trek references in this, but I when I think of uh, engineering, I think of the lower part of the ship, even though it's a submarine, which means it's just equal. It's just at the back. <laughs> well, I assume it's at the back. I assume it's near the propeller. It makes sense. It would be <laughs> probably. To be fair, there are still floors in the submarine, so it could be at the back and the bottom. 
True. Yeah, there's a lot of many floors, though. There'll be, like, two. Maybe. No, maybe... there's a few. We see them in this, like, going downstairs. Somewhere in True. The... Okay. Pretty, pretty, if, if they're holding missiles like that size, they're pretty reasonable size. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's because even, even though... I mean, it's miniatures, but I don't think it's because it's a miniature. I think it's just because in water, there's no context for the size of the ship. Yeah. So it just looks... You know... It doesn't look that big. Yeah. Because you don't, you've got nothing to, to judge it against. And usually what you are judging it against is other submarines. But I'm, th- I'm thinking when they're getting on, you can see the top of it poking out of the water. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but you don't know how big. much is underneath. Yeah. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. Uh, but point being, the, the, the conflict of this film is that uh, Denzel Washington's the sort of... It is funny to think of him as the young hotshot now, because obviously he's like in his mid-50s. Yeah. But uh, here he's, he's, you know, maybe hitting 30, uh, kind of age range. And he is kind of the, the young guy who's been taught to always sort of think about why they're doing things and why they're at war. Gene Hackman's the old guard who um, just knows that he's sent into fight and that's his only concern. Follow, follow the orders. Follow the orders, no matter what. So it's a nuclear submarine and they have some disagreements. They're kind of getting to know each other, uh, working together. Uh, there's the brewing of a, a dispute happening kind of thing. But the ultimate thing this movie's really about is that they get orders to launch their nukes. And they're prepping to do so, but there's an enemy sub. There's a bit of a conflict that sort of sidetracks them for a little bit. And there's a second communication, because they really make a big deal in the movie of the process of getting the orders. We see it a couple, we see a test, we see it done properly, and then we see it a third time. And we get the whole idea, they get this communication, they have to, they've got like a safe, they take out the, uh, the authentication, they've got, you know, different authenticators that they break, confirm the code matches with one that they've been sent, yada, yada, yada. And there's this second message sent through that pertains to nuclear missiles but is cut off because their communications were interrupted and they can't get the radio back online for some time that the guy's fixing it and it becomes this moral debate of should we or should we not launch the nukes because we did get an order which they all confirmed including denzel uh, and i'm going to call them denzel and hackman because that's just they're, they're big enough stars that I, i'm not going to call them the character names uh even Denzel confirmed this initial order to launch the nukes, which is obviously heavy because they're basically starting World War Three, and they yep. know that, and it's all they're weighing on the shoulders. At the time, that was the order. Yes. They had no reason to suspect anything else. But then there's a second order that's cut off, which could be changing the target. It could be cancelling the order altogether. It could be doing anything. And Gene Hackman wants to launch the nukes because the last complete order said to do that. And Denzel, being a sort of reasonable, le- you know, level-headed human being, is like, no, let's not start World War Three unless we know for sure that's what we're actually been supposed to do. And it becomes this debate of whether or not we should go through with this, and that's where the real conflict the film be- comes from. Uh, and I'll leave it there. Uh, and that's actually like halfway through the movie, but I feel like that really is what the movie's about, is that conflict. Oh, it absolutely is, because it does take up the entirety of the back half. In- yeah. Almost real time, actually. No, it is, because uh, once they get the order, because they, they set up early on that once they start priming the nukes on the, the Russian base, it'll be 60 minutes until they can launch. So they have this clock kind of ticking down as this debate's going on, where, as far as they believe, if they don't launch by this time, effectively, they've not struck the right places to avoid at least partial attack even though they do believe that if they strike first the rest of russia in retaliation despite the fact that it was this kind of lone wolf that was going to attack in the first place they'll probably still retaliate and you know but they've got to risk that and at least try yeah total devastation um because they make it very clear as well at the start that you know from this base depending if they go uh east or sort of north over the the pole 
they can get either the you know LA, the entire West Coast, or they can get like New York or Washington, depending yeah. on what direction they, they launch them in. So they set up that they, they can go after some of the biggest cities in the country. So not 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 that I think they wouldn't bother if it was like Seattle because you know still important, still a lot of people, but. Um, they name drop the biggies, <laughs> so yeah, of course. So uh, gonna sell that threat. Yeah, so uh, that's the uh, that's the that's the premise, uh, and you hadn't seen it before, so I shall ask the question. This, I'll mention as well. I didn't say this already. Uh, Tony Scott directed this. Uh, Ridley Scott's brother, who tragically committed suicide uh, a few years ago, but for a long time was also making movies alongside his brother, uh, and this was kind of right in the middle of his career. So, uh, what did you think of Crimson Tide? I had a blast actually. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Hmm. I don't. I don't think it's quite as deep as it presents itself to be. Sure. Because it's about you know it's, it's about this you know really serious topic and. Well, it is, well, it is produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Keep your expectations. No, no, exactly. <laughs> but that's my point. It, it it feels like it's supposed to be about this really serious topic about whether or not you know the the submarine captains should have this authority, which they don't anymore. But obviously, at the time, that was you know what this was about. Oh yeah. The, I mean, this is not a spoiler. The text at the end tells you that in real life. Uh, I mean, because I don't think this is based on an actual true story. I don't think it is. No, I, I don't think it is. I think it's more just, this is what could have happened. Yeah. Uh, but there's a bit of text at the end that says that, you know, on this date, they, they, you know, the, 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 this power was taken away from the, the captains of the subs. Now it's just the president and the president alone who... Mm, thrilling that right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe we should add some more chains of command in there now. Um, but, um, some stop gaps. But, but what my point was is, it's not quite as deep as that. And no. the conflict's perfectly fine, but as a kind of thriller action movie, it's a blast. Which kind of describes Tony Scott's career in a nutshell. Tony Scott was a very good director of thrillers and action movies. Uh, my favorite of his would actually be another Denzel Washington film, uh, Man on Fire, I really like. It's a revenge action movie. Really solid stuff. Um, this is before he went, because he, he gets really kind of hyperkinetic with some of his editing later in his movies. And it actually works with really, it actually, he's really good at it. Like, is that, it's the sort of thing where in like horror movies, I, I hate how the Saw movies are edited. Tony oh. Scott kind of does that for action movies, but he does it well. Like, he knows how to do it. There's a there's a flow to it if you can do it properly. Yeah. Um, but this was before he started doing that, so this movie's not like that. This movie's more more typical. Uh, there's definitely parts of it that are a little too Hollywood. Um, yeah. Th- there's a scene early on, the first time uh, Washington and Jackman meet, it's like in a smoky room, and uh, Jackman's got his his dog that he always takes with him on the submarine, and they're they're sort of like having this verbal sparring, and a sort of it's like friendly esque, but it's kind of still sparring at the same time. He's kind of sizing him up. Honestly, some of my least favorite moments are with the dog. Oh sure, it always it always like every so often it'll cut to the dog in like, in this montage of reactions of of the crew of the, of the sub, and then you'll just get the dog reacting. I'm like. What are we doing here? And it'll remind you. It'll remind you. It's a Hollywood movie, and it wants to have that that safety kind yeah, of you've got, like, blanket. You know, it'll be a, a moment where you've got big uplifting, you know, Zimmer score going on. Everyone's cheering, and then the dogs barking. I'm like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> uh, but what you do have in this movie is a good cast, especially the two leads, and mm. you have the conflict. Well, maybe it doesn't get as deep in the script as it maybe presents itself as. It does actually raise some interesting questions, and it's funny that. It's funny to me that later on there's actually a big Star Trek reference, and I'll get to that later in spoilers. But what's funny about that to me, I think, is that in a way I kind of see this as a Star Trek story. Now, don't get me wrong. In Star Trek, the admirals can be dicks. They're never quite as dickish as Gene Hackman gets in this when it comes to, you know, the way he acts and what he wants to do. But it reminds me of Star Trek in that it's just based around a moral dilemma. And (laughs) it's like, what, what is the correct response in this situation? And I think the movie almost 
if, if there's anything that's a failure of the movie, and maybe it does make it feel a bit too Hollywood and not as deep as it should be, is I think we do side with one of them for the most part. Because I think it, it tries. And and there are points where it puts across arguments that I can see, but I don't think it goes far enough. I, I think it just makes one of them too villainous. And because of that, even even if he's technically right, you still side with the other one because he's just he's not acting out like an angry <laughs> yeah so much. you take him because he's level-headed so you sort of um and i think at your core you don't want world war three to start <laughs> so no no of course yeah. not but again you, you're, you're there it's presenting arguments like it could be fair and, and you know you kind of have to go with it and you know try and be fair to it and go okay can we follow this argument through and does it track and i think there are points it does but like I say, it's more just the, the character reactions and responses uh that make it feel really hard to side with because the debate here could have been what's interesting is that if they presented it that Hackman is right like oh, to the to, to the book he is right in what he's saying um, and I don't want to get too much into the spoilers yet but to, to the book that he is right but the idea being that even if Denzel isn't right to the book that morally he's actually right because this is like this is much bigger than anything else that can happen in military of any kind the idea of mm-hmm. launching a nuke and the idea that morally, no, maybe the rules shouldn't be the same for this as they are for anything else. Um, that the rules should be specific because there is no returning. There's no coming back from this. There's no changing your mind yeah. after this. This is, you know, like once a nuke has been launched and you have killed that many people, you have been over a line that cannot be crossed back. So, like, that could have been interesting, but it doesn't do that. It is this thing where technically they're both kind of right. It, one's but, more but, right than the other. But it basically exposes a flaw in the system where... Yeah. Fun story. Yeah, uh, like I'll, I'll get into more as well. But there's a, a debate that you know, the two of them have over something else that's completely irrelevant. Mm. Um, and, and at the end, it's like, well, you were kind of uh, right. That They're not. They're actually both not quite right, but one is more right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, I mean, like... So I think it raises a lot of some good, interesting questions, and I think the actual tense thriller part of it is very good. Uh, it's not super deep; it's, it's a bit more superficial than maybe it wants to be, but it's very good at what it's doing. It's really enjoyable to watch, um, because you have these great actors sparring off, and it made me really miss Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman retired in like two thousand three. His last movie was a movie with Ray Romano. <laughs> Has it been that long? I think it was called Welcome to Mooseport. It was like a really stupid comedy that wasn't that good because um, he's a great actor and um, as far as I remember he is still alive he's a really old dude though but he's, I think he's still alive I don't recall seeing anything to the contrary I could yeah. be wrong but to, but to his credit he he stayed retired he was never like tempted back out for you know a big paycheck you know, one last that. job yeah, yeah. Um, it's a shame that the last one he went out on was Welcome to Missport but yeah I'm just saying he was uh, born in 1930 and IMDB does not list a death so I'm going to assume that that means he's not yeah so he's 79 Oh no, 89. 89. 89, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking we're still in the 2000s, god damn it. Yeah, we're, we're really bad at that. We do yeah. this all the time, don't we? Yeah, 89. He's 89. Uh, so yeah, he's an old dude. He's a really old dude. Um, but no, he's really good. Gene Hackman has this energy to him uh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. He, he, he's kind of... He's the type of movie star we don't really have anymore. Um, yeah, I agree with that. He kind of... You know, it's him and... Um, who's the other guy I'm thinking of that I'd put him sort of side by side with? Like, he's, I mean, he's not like Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson also has this intensity to him. 
yeah, oh, that, yeah that i feel like a lot of modern actors don't um and i mean gene hammond's a bit more laid back but he, 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 you know he's so good at being passive aggressive especially in this he's movie kind of got like a an, a manic thing going on even when he's not fully enraged yeah like, it's, it's kind of there's like this rage seething underneath that is like yeah, this could be bubbling over at any point in a, in a really good way which is maybe why it was a good pick for lex luther although i do think he was maybe too big of a star for it because i just see gene hackman i don't see lex luther you know yeah and also kind of wasted on the script right yeah yeah like, yeah i mean i, I love in that. regards to lex yeah i love that movie but lex is definitely not the best version of lex uh no. in that film but yeah so no gene hammond's really good denzel washington's fantastic as well um he's also he's he's someone who's really good at reacting to hackman actually because a, a lot of times he won't say anything in response especially early on when he's he's holding his tongue yeah but he's very good at just reacting to him he's a, he's, he's a very good physical actor isn't he yeah uh so no it's very good actually one of the things that i like about the movie is that you kind of suspect that because he has an old white dude there might be like a race element to this that's maybe not been outspoken but it's not until like right at the end of the movie where there's like a line that's brought up where Oh, now he's actually kind of playing that card. But for yeah, a long you, time, it never does it. You feel it from the start where, you know, like really early on, they're all in the mess hall, kind of eating together. And, and the, you know, the, uh, the only black guy there. That's not true. There's a second black I know, guy. I know he is at that point. The, there's another guy who who you see later. But at that in that scene, he's the only one there, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure he's uh, in that scene. Is he? Yeah, I think so. The guy with the glasses. It doesn't have any lines in that scene then. If he, the guy with glasses, he's got the mustache, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is he in that scene? I'm pretty he sure he doesn't have any lines in that scene. Then he's, he's at, he's, yeah. I'm sure he's at a table, but yeah. And, and but like it really feels like they're interrogating him, and you're like, is this racism, or is it just because he's the new guy and you know they're all this yeah, well-seasoned crew? Yeah, they're, they're this unit who's been together for a long time, so it kind of feels like he's just the the new guy. But like it was just because it, was, it wasn't so much from the group I was suspecting racism; it was more just from Hackman. It was like you know he's the old white dude. He's been mm. at this for decades. He's been a captain for a long time, and. You just sort of get it in the subtext almost, and but it's, it's, there's enough doubt that maybe, oh, maybe he is just the old captain and he's, he's really challenging this new guy. Um, yeah. But there's just one conversation right towards the end where he blatantly puts it out on the table and it's like, oh, it's been there the whole time. And it, Yeah, because there really is enough doubt throughout most of the movie where you could play it off as, it's the new guy, new style. This isn't what he wanted on, you know, his the end of his, yeah, it's, it's, his it's career. His, it's his philosophy. It's not, you know, anything else because philosoph- uh, philosophically they are very different people so there is enough to justify that it is based on that for a long time yeah um so yeah so that that's there and and i think it's there largely because of the actors i think mm. i don't think it's really there on the script before th- that dialogue towards the it's end it's all subtext it's, it's all in their reactions and the way they look at each other um and yeah. i think i think those two actors and I think it's don't worry, I think it's really well directed. I think I think the weak part of the movie is the script, but it's really well directed, and you've got these yeah. two actors who are just elevating everything they say, and because yeah. of that, the movie comes out being pretty great. <laughs> I think it helps that all the supporting cast are really good as well, so it doesn't oh, yeah. feel like there's a weak link kind of dragging it down. Don't get me wrong, none of them are at the level of these two. Don't get me wrong, I know some of those actors are at the level of these two, but they're not in this movie. They're not given the stuff to go with in this movie. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> Can I, can I talk about a really... So, I mentioned there's a Star Trek reference at one point. I don't even think this is a spoiler to talk about these, actually, because they're just kind of out of context. Um, yeah. So, there's a Star Trek reference that's really nerdy, where Denzel's trying to convince the radio guy who's fixing the radio, because he's really nervous and he's struggling, and he's like, look, 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 
you watch Star Trek? And he's like, yeah, sure, sure. Right? Well, you know how Captain Kirk would always tell that to Scotty that he needs his warp engines to go faster? <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right now I'm Kirk and you're Scotty. And that was just kind of like all, all right on it, so it was kind of weird. But later on, when he's actually on, up on the bridge and he calls down to, to engineering, he actually says over the comms, this is Captain Kirk. How's my, <laughs> how's, how's my warp drive coming, Scotty? And I yeah. just burst out laughing because it was such a... And there's, a, there's a bit where he interrupts an argument over Silver Surfer. Oh yeah, yeah this one was even because Star Trek is known enough to the public or to the mainstream crowd. You know it's that a big TV show for that, years that people understand Scotty and Kirk to a point, right? Um, yeah. This was two guys arguing over if Kirby Silver Surfer is better. Silver Surfer is better than some other dude Silver. Surfer. I can't even remember the other name because I don't even. I'm not even that familiar with Silver Surfer crap. Because <laughs> the answer is always Kirby. Because <laughs> the answer was always Kirby, which is what Denzel says to him. And he smells which at him. Which immediately goes, Yeah, I like you. I'm like, Wait a minute. Why are we. Like, because this is such a bro movie. You know, I typically think of movies where it's like a submarine or a war movie or whatever as bro movies. And yeah. these guys are like referencing Kirby. And I'm like, You know what? All right. I like you two a bit more now. <laughs> you do, don't you? <laughs> And, this, and keep in mind, this is 1995. This is before it was cool to like comic books. This, this is, this is this where is before even the first X Men movie. Yeah, that, this is the same year Batman Forever came out. So just keep that <laughs> keep that in your mind. Yeah, and and this is Silver Surfer as well. It's not like they're talking about Batman. Which no, yeah, you how many, go, Okay, sure. How many? Yeah, how many people in 1995 knew who Silver Surfer was? I'm, I'm, I mean, hell, even now, how many people know who Silver Surfer? Is? It's not like he's had a movie yet outside of that Fantastic Four sequel that was not I was exactly. Say, technically, he was in that, but yes. people have quite rightly forgotten um they've got the rights back though so it'll ham but uh give it a decade everyone will know silver surfer they'll do the whole cosmic saga and they'll have they'll have a uh, uh it's coming in. i'm sure yeah uh it'll follow on from the fantastic four at some point don't worry but uh i want to mention those because those really stuck out to me <laughs> as conversations um so the movie's solid. So I think we'll give a spoiler warning uh, right about here. Although before we go into spoilers, let me thank our Patreon producers for the month of November. And also I should mention, because these go up early a week in November, they're like, the, the final one for November will be a week into December for the public because it's only as we're recording them that this counts. Yeah, they go up early on Patreon. You yes. said they go up early in, on November, but... Oh yeah, on Patreon. Sorry, that's what I meant. Um, yeah. So yeah, so just, just I mean, I don't think it matters for this one, but it will matter for the next one, which will be up for Patreon in November, but it'll technically be a December episode for everyone else. But just you know, whatever. It's November in our schedule. Yes. Uh, so thanks to David Sharp, Alison M. Fordis, Cindy Palacios, Tyler Hess, and Talking Superman. They're our Patreon producers for the month. Uh, that means that they are twenty dollar or up patrons. Uh, so you get you know Patreon producer credits and you get other stuff but uh, you can support us over in patreon.com slash TV for as little as one dollar per month and you get these uh you get bonus episodes of some of our movie podcasts you get uh, outtakes and sort of uh deleted tangents that aren't relevant to the episodes if they go too long i'll cut them out and put them up as a bonus discussion and then at the higher tiers you get other stuff like voting rights you get to vote like this episode was uh you get episodes early of a lot of things including these influx episodes so uh go and have a look and see if you're interested but it's a good way of supporting us and keep making sure all the content keeps coming uh so yeah go do that uh so that is uh that is that so we'll go on to spoilers then for crimson tide um and we kind of hinted at stuff uh, a lot but uh right from early on in the movie they get on the ship there's a lot of boat what? submarines are boats not ships i'm not allowed to call it a show ship okay all right yeah. i was also all, i'm pretty I almost, sure that's the rules i almost said short <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can call it that if you want but uh, they get on the boat, sorry, they get on the boat, and 
they, you know, right away, like, you know, you said that dinner scene where he's sitting interrogating him for his philosophy, say, oh, do you think it was right that we dropped the nukes on Nagasaki and Hiroshima? And he's like, you know, he, he kind of, his answer, like, very diplomatic. You know, he's, he's, he's very careful with his wording with how it's he not answers. A, it's not a straight up, you know, oh, yes, of course, obviously. But it's not a just, no, that was wrong. It, it's very carefully worded. Yeah. Um, because basically his philosophy is is that, you know, we should care about why we're doing things, and if we can avoid the war, we should at all costs, because it's the yeah. worst case scenario. But he is on a, you know, a nuclear sub. He is aware that if it happens, he is prepared to yeah. go along. Like when those first orders come through, there is no hesitation from him. He is perfectly going, yes, we will do this until we hear otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of little things where... Um, so the big first disagreement really comes from there's a fire that breaks out in the like, the, the mess area um, in the kitchens. It's in the kitchens, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, Denzel's down there helping whoever's down there, you know, uh, put it out and damage control and the rest of it. And Hackman decides to run a, a drill, like a, an emergency response, you know, when they get an order to do like a drill for one of those. And the alarm goes off and the XO has to be present on the bridge. And like immediately Denzel's like, why is he running a test now? Of all times, there's a fire. Someone's injured. Like, what's going on? Um, and he runs up because he's because basically the way it was, as we learn in the movie, he has to kind of like confirm all the orders that are coming from the captain during this part of the process, and he has to agree that the orders are valid in order to launch a nuke. You know, you know, two prong system to make sure that um, it's not just one person. And he runs up. He just gets there and he, you know, he confirms the order. They do the test and. He actually cancels it. Hackman cancels the drill because they get reports that one person who was injured is dying. Someone is dying in Med Bay. And he's yeah. like, okay, we'll cancel the order. And they have this thing where they go to the captain's quarters after and he's like, so you blame me for that, that you know, that sailor's death. And he's like, I didn't say that, Captain. But it's this very thing where they're constantly sparring verbally. And he's like, I, I don't understand why you ran that test right now. And he's like, well, because uh, you know, the real thing could happen at any point. You know, anything can happen during chaos. We have to be prepared at the worst possible moment for something like that to happen, if not something else. And at this point, I think you can kind of sympathize with Hackman. To you know, like you know, in the the whole point of this movie is okay. Well, who's right and who's wrong? You know, which yeah, side? Yeah, and in this context, he makes a valid point that yes, it could happen in the middle of a crisis. Yeah, and you know, the crew does have to be prepared for that. And I think it's a it's, it's a valid point that he's making now. It was unfortunate that someone actually died because of that decision. But would would he have died anyway? Who knows, right? Yeah, he may have died. The, the fire had happened regardless of whether he did this drill or not. Yeah, uh, and Denzel even kind of admits to that. You know, he kind of... Yeah. You know, he kind of agrees with that. Um, but Hackman makes this point, uh, either in this conversation or around about this time, to never bicker with him about an order in front of the crew. He's really upset that he kind of questioned them in front of other people he's like no you you have a problem with something i've said then you in private yeah you let me have it as the xo and we talk about it and area our differences but we have yeah. to appear as a unit and an agreement in the chain of command or it just breaks down their confidence in us um because yeah, hackman's repeatedly making this point that he, he's not looking for someone to just agree to everything he says he is willing to be questioned but not at the expense of losing their authority yeah so, so yeah in in private this is what we do sure However, it's not too long after this, though, where Hackman starts to kind of lose us as, you know, being on his side. Because, uh, so at that fight, the Silver Surfer <laughs> breaks out and uh, Denzel breaks it up and has a little fun conversation. And he goes down to see the captain, he goes down to see Hackman. 
and he's like hey and this is after like, they've had a call putting the defcon level up one so everyone's kind of on edge because they're, they're thinking that maybe soon it's going to happen and they're worried yeah. about their families back home and you know everything else lots of reasons to be tense and you know denzel says hey the crew's on edge this fight broke out um, and maybe it'd be good to instead of driving them harder maybe give them some sort of reassurance maybe give them some sort of you know pep talk whatever um and again th- this suggestion is is fine in the sense of you think well, yeah that makes sense it makes sense to try and boost their spirits the morale's down and, and hackman's he's, he's that he's nodding along going okay yeah. i see your point and hell even if hackman disagreed here and said well no we're on a warship like we have to be able to get through stress i could have understood his points a bit hard-assed but i at least respected it as a hard-assed response instead yeah. hackman goes along with his plan gets the uh the comms and tells everyone to don't basically don't be a bunch of pussies over <laughs> over the comms and he goes yeah if you want to li- if, if, if if you can't hack it you're welcome to leave right now and basically just does the opposite right in front of denzel to disrespect him and no one heard this conversation they were whispering at each other right because denzel makes a point of making sure it's kind of in private given yeah, the as, previous as conversation requested, yeah. yes uh and hackman still throws it back in his face and this is the point where you go you're not being reasonable anymore yeah because it, it was just a dick move there was no 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 need for it like again like say, he could have disagreed with the with the call that that denzel was suggesting and you'd go all right fair enough he that's not his style he's the captain he gets to make that call Maybe it's the wrong one, but it's ultimately no harm done, really. Yeah, but then no, he goes I, out of his way to be a dick about it. Yeah, if he explains... Because, I mean, that's kind of the point, right, is that he wants to actually question him because if he can't explain why he's doing something, then maybe it's not the right call. He has to be able to back it up. And maybe, maybe the actual will convince him of something else, but he has to be able to back it up. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Otherwise, he's, he's making a call based on the wrong thing. Um, so... You know, so, so things are tense, and it's around this point where they, they encounter an enemy vessel. There's an enemy submarine uh, around, you know, in this part of the sea. And they basically avoid conflict um, for, for a bit. They kind of stealth their way through it. Um, there is a bit of an attack, but they get away. But this is, of course... Um, actually, no, there's not an attack this time. Oh, there is there? No, there is, yeah, because the call comes through there first. Is, yeah. the, call, the call comes through to launch the nukes. It's time. Arm your weapons. We're going to launch. So they start the process. And like I said before, Denzel confirms that the other two guys who get the thing out and the, the readout and get the, the... It's like, yeah, this is legit. What, the, Authenticator. The, yes, that's the word, sorry. The Authenticator. This is before, of course, we have uh, uh, phones to put the authentication code on. We have a bit of paper and a bit of plastic that they snap. Which may still the be the job. way to do it because it has to be set up in advance, obviously. I'm, but I'm pretty sure they've only just moved away from floppy disks for their nukes in the past, like, six months. <laughs> it makes sense. I don't want to change it, though. It's like, no, this is the, the reliable system I've always had. We're going to keep it. I, I think, especially on a submarine at that depth, phone signal is unreliable. True. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, go with go with what works. Is there, hey, I I was uh I did a bit of a work placement in a TV studio, uh, only about four or five years ago, and they were using Betamax. It was HD Betamax. This is the weird thing. They had HD digital Betamax to back I, up all of their stuff because here's the thing: tape is reliable. It can yeah, be wiped. I, I didn't know that existed. They were using digital HD. Obviously, it's not something consumers can buy. It's something that only the TV studios and stuff will yeah. have access to. But that's like because I, I, I was helping them back up programming onto tape, which you you could actually. I mean, the, the tape machine was really advanced because unlike VHS, you could actually like control it frame by frame. You could go to a specific frame and start there, and it was really fancy. But they were backing up the shows on Betamax because it was reliable. <laughs> oh yeah, no, even like you know uh, banks and stuff back up their records onto physical tape because. 
like you say, it's just it's it's a it's a reliable hard copy. It's it's more reliable than paper, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if 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 anything happens to to your servers and, and data is lost, you've got a backup. Yeah, so it makes sense. Anyway, so everyone agrees they're going up, and this is when the the enemy sub catches them, and there's an attack, and the second call's coming through, and the they, they, they kind of escape the sub here, right? There's not much in the way of combat this time. They kind of get away from it. But it does interrupt the the call that was coming in. And, yeah, I think it damages the radio as well. Um, well, it, doesn't, it damages the radio, but it doesn't damage the the buoy that, that, that can extend the signal. They can, they can pull up to get a signal. Yeah, that, ha- that. Sorry? That word, buoy. I, I hate how Americans say that. It's uh, it's one of my most hated American pronunciations. How are you supposed point. to say it? Boy. Because it comes from buoyancy. I'm not calling it a boy. It's a buoy, right? <laughs> I'm not calling it that. Look, it's a buoy. So, they, they send it up, right? Oh, they just send it up. Sorry, that's later, right? But that radio gets damaged, and this is the point where the, the message came through and it got cut off because the radio got damaged. And Denzel's like, hey this pertains to nuclear mission. We should hold off until we can confirm what this second order was going to be. He doesn't say we should definitely not launch anything. He just says, let's confirm what this one was going to be before we launch. And Hackman, this is when he just, because he he keeps sort of saying why they should do this. And Hackman's reminding him now, in the face of uh, unfinished orders, we go back to the last, you know, full order that we definitely had. Yeah. And honestly, I think at this point, he's making reasonable arguments. And I think also, like, to a point, uh, you know, mm. your 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 personal interpretation may vary, but I think the problem is because we'd already had the scene before where he was an absolute dick over the com. We're already in a bad mindset with him before this uh, outburst here because he's saying things like, "You know, Denzel's like, oh, well, there's there's other subs in the area. If if you know, if the 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 thing was to go ahead, they'll launch." And uh, honestly, this is one of the most valid points he makes because as soon as he says, "Yeah, we're not the only nuclear sub in the vicinity," the whole point is, is that there's you know other contingencies. It's not just us. As soon as he says that, I'm like, yeah, wait. Like, as soon as he said that, my logical brain said, well, there's other possible subs that could be launching the nukes. If the yeah. order's been, if the order still has supposed to go through, there's other people to carry it out. And Hagman says, oh, we have to assume they've been taken out. But that's a bit of a leap. No, I think, to be fair, it's a, it's a reasonable argument on his point. We, you know, that he's going, oh, we just got attacked. What if they did too? What if we're the last one and, and we're the only one capable of sending the missiles? I can appreciate his point. Like I said, if this, if this again, you know, I'm not saying I'm on his side, but I can appreciate where he's coming from. Is, I think the problem is because we're already against him from before, it comes across as a bit hollow. Well, it's not even just that, though, because it's, it's quite certain. It's because he's speaking fairly calm to him when he's, he's giving his reasoning. But at the end of like, one of his final sentences, he just yells, shut the F up. And everyone oh, on the bridge yeah. hears it. And this is the point where he's completely lost, I think, credibility to us as the viewer. Because... I mean, he's not an evil man yet, necessarily, but he's lost credibility in terms of his thought process because he's clearly letting his temper get to him and he's he's upset that he's being challenged, despite the fact that he keeps claiming that he wants to be challenged. Yeah. This comes across really poorly. And oh, this is where the real crux of the movie comes in because ultimately, uh, you know, he threatens... because. Denzel won't confirm the order to launch to prep the nukes, you know, get them ready, get them armed and primed to go. He doesn't he doesn't ready and he's like, repeat the order, damn it, or I'll find someone who will. And he wants to take him, he wants to remove the exo and replace him with the next in command. And Denzel challenges that and says, No, if you're trying to do that, then I'm going to, you know, use my authority to to you know relieve you of duty because you're not thinking in your right mind. 
and the the next in, you know the next in command on the bridge who i'm going to unfortunately refer to as the fat guy <laughs> because that's that's just always I think, I think his name was cobb you're right his name is cobb um so cobb and it's worth mentioning at the start of the movie when he first goes to meet uh, hackman cobb's there with him and he's, he's constantly glancing at cobb they're always they're sharing all these glances as if they're judging him in front of him so we know mm. that cobb is very loyal to hackman and oh, cobb yeah. cobb comes in and says no by the book you can't remove an exo at will uh there has to be two of you so and by the going by the book because he makes this clearer later when when denzel talks to him about it he tries to thank him he's like, i didn't do it for you i did it because it was the right thing yeah um and denzel's like no well thank you anyway because you you know i thank you that you followed that to the book essentially yeah. um but he's like no he's right denzel's right in this argument he is right going by the the rules and Daniel says, okay, two, you know, two sailors come take the captain to his quarters and lock him in. Like, he's now been relieved and I've got command. And he takes the, the key, the launch key, and that's it. And you know, so, and what happens right after this is that he's like, okay, we got the we got the buoy so we can try and boost the signal so that we can get the, the message and know what we're doing. That's So he wants to get lift to a certain depth so that they can, so they can put it up. And unfortunately though, the enemy sub ends up being right above them and it directs them to them and what i think is really great about this sequence we got a good action sequence essentially from the, the subs launching each other and it's you know you know go to this depth and dive and you know pivot this, and, de- this degree and yeah yeah it's 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 a standard submarine action talk. right and then and, and they're dodging uh, the the torpedoes and they're launching their own torpedoes and what's great about this is i think at the towards the end of this scene denzel basically captains them to victory where he dodges them successfully launches some torpedoes and blows the ship up and everyone's cheering it just so happens the reason why they get they get injured here uh, the ship gets injured i mean uh, damaged is because right at the end it must you know the, the, the enemy submarine got off one torpedo before it blew up so it comes in it's like i mean it's a very hollywood moment because they think they've, they've won and they have won but there's this one torpedo and it catches the back of the ship and you know there's a whole sequence where they're almost at crush depth where they, they, they can't go any lower and they just get the propeller fixed in time and it's a good tense sequence it's a good tense you know portion mm, of the movie good. um but what i love is is before this this last torpedo happens when they think they've won you almost feel like Denzel's won over the entire crew for a split second, where he's proven that he can command, and he's proven that he isn't, you know, some hotshot exo who wants to just do this for the glory. Yeah. Right? He, he was making the right calls in this uh, yeah. combat. Situation. And the reason why I bring that up is because later on, uh, when the captain's in his quarters, he says that he's been looking through his file, and oh, he's never really seen combat before. And it comes across so hollow, because we already saw him win a combat situation. He did the best he could, and he actually pretty much won. I mean, he did win. There was one little flaw no, at the end. A- an unfortunate incident to, yeah. to cap it off, but he made every call right. Yeah. Um, so, they, so, they, so they succeed just in time, and Denzel does make a hard choice. There's a, there's a point where there's some flooding, and they have to close off a compartment, and there's some crew in there, and Cobb says to him, if you don't shut that right now, we all die. And he's like, okay, fine, you have to shut the compartment. And the guy who's down there is like, no, 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 like, they're still crewing. He's like, no, you have your order, you have to shut the compartment. So he does make the tough call as well to kill someone, essentially, at one yeah, point. Yeah, I think that's, again, going along the with the whole theme of him not wanting to do the, the the nuclear launch is not that he's not willing to do these hard decisions. It's just if the need is there, he will do them. It's just he has to understand it for himself rather than just blindly do what he's told. Yeah, and I think what's great about this is between this, between the, the fight that he wins for them, the, between making this call in front of them and making the hard decision, I think when the argument comes of like, so half the crew eventually are kind of on his side and half of them aren't, 
I think this justify all this stuff justifies why the crew that are on his side are on his side. I think he does enough to win them over that he's not just you know he proves that he's being calm. He's proven that he can be in command. He's proving his his mental state to everyone and his capacity for making decisions. So that it doesn't feel like oh he's wrestled them away. And it also of everyone on the bridge saw the captain kind of lose his shit. And I think yeah, they, they knew he was maybe not making the right-minded decisions. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's still some people on the bridge who are siding with the captain. We we'll get to that in a minute, but you know, it, it really justifies why some people are on his side. So it's actually um, a soprano, Tony Soprano, uh, who, who is on the bridge and did seem to, you know, be, be you know doing the commands during the fight as best he could during the combat. Yep. But he does go to the captain, you know, sort of haggles his way in, and he's like, okay, captain, I'm not working for this guy. What do you want us to do? And he's like, oh, get a few men, get these guys. And he gets, you know, Viggo Mortensen's uh, character, Zimmer, who who we know from the start of the movie as his friend, who is his friend because he was at his daughter's Zim, birthday Zim party. Zimmer's the comms guy. Oh, sorry. Viggo is... Weps. Weg? Weps. 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 Yeah. That was it. Viggo Mortensen, yeah. Um, yeah, Zimmer's the one who was her Silver Surfer argument. Uh, yes. Where, which, what I like about that is it's just enough to... So he's memorable so that when you see him in comms and he's like, you know, doing his part of the job where he's, he's, he's looking at the sonar and he's like giving them the, 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 the information, we know who it is so we care a little bit. Uh, it's just a simple yeah, he's little not thing. just random guy. It's okay. I recognize him. He's Silver Surfer, dude. You know, like it's enough to yeah. just remember him, and then so you know his face. He's actually got a really specific voice that reminded me of someone, um, and I can't remember who, but it'll come, maybe come to me later. Uh, but so they, they basically stage a little mutiny against uh, Denzel. They're, they're going to reinstate the captain. Yeah, reinstate the captain. They go to the armory, and it's actually. It's Vigo who has the key to the armory because he's like a fair, he's he's high ranking enough that he has that that privilege. Yeah, he's like the the top of the weapons department. Yeah, uh, so they they get him and they you know sure enough like they're they're rising to the depth they're trying to fix the radio so they can call it because they can't use the buoy anymore because that that got uh, basically destroyed in the fight. Uh, yeah. So they haven't really like fixed the radio properly, and the captain regains control. However, what I liked about this is that Denzel actually predicts something's up when, when he hears that uh the one guy who's really supportive when Sup- tony soprano is really when he's missing and they can't find him he immediately kind of or i think maybe it's perhaps they, they can't find but it's one of those two guys he can't find and as soon as he, he hears that he immediately like go, goes to the side to cobb and says hey get get your sidearm and go and do he this and, him go find him. Yeah. yeah and he and he goes and talks to uh, uh zimmer and says hey like Here's all. Here's all the keys to the rest of the ship. I need you to be able to like do stuff in case this goes down. He actually predicts. So again, it shows that he's he's really good at his job. He's good at be, doing this because he, he predicts yeah. what's about to happen. And sure enough, they come in at gunpoint and they they they, they arrest uh, uh, Denzel and all the guys on the bridge who were kind of sticking up for him, including Cobb, who was loyal to the captain for years, but because he sided with Denzel on the argument, uh, it. It locks him up to yeah and when they come in the captain's like right anyone who you know doesn't want to work under this schlub come come and stand with me now and you know things will all be fine yeah so a bunch of them get arrested with them and they're being held in the i think it's in the, the uh the officer's mess you know so yeah, the, the yeah. private you know um dining room that's weird to call that in a ship i don't want to call it the mess hall because it's not a mess hall but it's like it's the, the private mess eating quarters yeah, it is it's, it's it's where they were earlier yeah. i haven't in the food with that debate near the start so 
so this is all good stuff, um, and then it becomes. If if, anything, if, I, if I'm going to criticize the script, I do think it's a bit weird that the movie focuses on the captain like staging a little mutiny, and then it essentially flips and it's Denzel staging a little mutiny. But it's, it, it is kind of a big back and forth for the like for forty minutes here of who has the who has the you know the, the bridge. control. Yeah, it does feel like it kind of repeats a beat just the other way around a little bit, which is a little bit strange. But it is still fun to watch. You have Zimmer who kind of like gets them out, and they 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 get enough to come back onto the bridge and have a bit of a standoff um because uh, there's a whole thing where he's racing to launch these nukes and it's actually he convinces uh vigo his friend who who did who obviously there's a big moment where like he said him the captain so it's a bit of a betrayal but he calls down to him and says hey you have a conscience you know it's not the right thing to launch these nukes and you're the only one who has the key to the the codes to launch them so uh, if, to the trigger or is it still codes though it's still trigger codes i'm sure no no it was a physical like trigger to pull Oh, you're right. But there's more than one because there's a key in the bridge as well for the captain. So Yeah, yeah. You have yeah. to do both. So the captain yeah. has to turn his key and then the weapons do their trigger. Yeah. So basically, because the captain realizes that he's been gotten to, right? So again, they're both really good at figuring out what the other person's done. They understand quite quickly why things aren't happening, why he's not responding. So the captain puts his key in and says, I'm going down there to do it myself. And I think if you... Because if you had any like sort of like... like siding with the captain still even though you're definitely not as sympathetic with him if you had any siding with him the moment where he threatens to shoot a crew member so vigo will give up the the the, the code for the, the 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 safe like that's the moment where it's like, oh no he's a crazy man he's actually yeah. a crazy man <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and i think that's my problem with i mean the biggest problem of this movie as, as much as i'm saying oh i enjoy this movie it's great fun to watch this is the reason it's not the deep moral movie. It kind well, of yeah, because because at the ending, there's almost like when they when they get out of the meeting and they're told they're both kind of right, and uh, you know Hackman's retiring, and uh, you know Denzel's going to get his own command now, and they get out, and there's a little joke, um, which I, I've not even explained the start of that yet, so I'll get to it soon. But um, where it almost makes you think that hackman's saying that denzel was right and he's like yeah 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 you were right and he's like and then he says no no you were right about these horses we were talking about <laughs> and it's kind of this thing where there's almost like a mutual respect and they kind of smell at each other but i'm like hackman threatened to shoot crew members to get his way so i can't quite see him as having an equal like claim to being right at the yeah. end and i think that's that's the biggest problem with this movie that stops yeah. it being like you know truly something special is that it kind of go, it just makes you pick a side very early and goes, this is clearly the guy who is rational minded and is objectively yeah. right now. So even, because, even if you agree with the captain in, in morality. So, so because the moral debate is there, it kind of undermines it a little bit by, by doing that because at the end you can't really see him as anything other than a crazy old man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but of course, Denzel's gotten to the bridge. He takes the captain's key out. So when the captain tries to launch from down in the weapons, you know, area, um, it doesn't work and he's like damn it he's on the bridge and he goes back up to the bridge and there's a standoff and it's like hey the radio is almost done because he's, he's called it you know it's like hey captain kirk here and the radio is almost ready and it's like how how quick is it going to be going to be you know fixed and he's like oh three or four minutes and there's seven minutes left on this hour countdown to when they have to launch and the so, captain's like all right fine i'll give you three minutes give you three minutes and it's just at the end of this three minutes but it's during this three minutes they have this conversation where the the racist subtext kind of really comes out uh because they're sitting here and he's because because back in the first conversation they had when they first met denzel said he liked racing riding horses so they talked about horses for a little bit then um, and here he says oh have you ever heard of any i can't remember the name but he's like no what, what, what are you talking about oh it's these horses uh, they come from uh portugal 
um, and they're these really smart horses. Uh, and Denzel corrects them because he says they're all white. Uh, well, no, well, yeah, he gets that, but he also corrects them from where they're from. He says they're from Spain. Yeah, yeah, but I, I thought it was noble because the captain says, "Oh no, the, the horses—they're all white." Oh no, I was—I like, was getting to that. That was the, that was the okay. racist part. I was getting to you. No, no, but that was in that first bit. Yeah, but he corrects them in the country. I wasn't at the like. Okay, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that part. Yeah, but yeah, he says he says they're really smart horses. They'll, they'll do do what they're told, or or they're just really smart or whatever. I can't remember how he described them. But he's like, yeah. they're all white, um, and he was staring right at them, and it's just this weird thing. He's like, yeah, but they actually they're not from they're not from Spain. They're not from Portugal. They're from Spain, and they're not actually born white. They're all born they're born black and become white. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. And they're kind of verbally sparring, but there's this racial just... I mean, it's, it's, it feels weird to even call it subtext at this point. It's so on the surface. Yeah. Um, but... And this is the only time where it's really blatantly said in the entire movie. Like, up until now, there's been nothing said about it. You just kind of maybe think he's being racist. But um, you, you're never sure until now. Yeah. Um, which, again, is why when they kind of smell each other and earn their respect for each other at the end, when they're kind of smelling, I'm like... Yeah, but he was kind of being a racist dick. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, and it's not no. to say that you can't have a racist dick have an arc and become, you know, like sort of realize the error of his ways by the end of the movie. But the movie doesn't do that because this is right at the end where he reveals he's, he's his just racism. Proved wrong. Yeah. yeah, he's just proven wrong, and there's no arc for him in that way. Um, yeah. See, this is the thing about you know the the story of the horses. This is, uh, you know when I was doing this in uni, my, my lecture was telling us. Uh, so the, you know the whole thing of the movie, uh, the horses is okay. At the end, he concedes that you know, Denzel was right. And, oh, I guess they are from Spain. And you were right all along. And that's kind of the joke it plays at the end. But that's not actually true. Because the horses are from Slovenia. They're just associated with Spain because like, you know, some Spanish monarch used them a lot. Oh, uh, so it's like, so Denzel is more right in that they have a link <laughs> to Spain the, the, you know, and not Portugal. But they're not, he's not actually completely right, which is why I think there's a, there's a nice little kind of thing there in, with the themes. It's a nice beat. Also, I mean, just to emphasize this joke at the end, you know, because he turns around and says, you were right. And there's a big pause making, you know, it really lets it sink in that he's maybe conceding here. He's like, yeah, they are from Spain. And it's like, oh, okay, right. He's, he's, he's just, he's, he's conceding to that, not the nuke situation. <laughs> yeah. Not, not that why would thing. he after all that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, of course, the, the message comes through and I love... We don't get to see it. The two guys who get it out, the, the, the fax machine or whatever it is, you know, they bring it through, they get the authenticator, and we, Denzel gets to see it, Hackman gets to see it. And, they and they're all of, looking at each other going, this is real. And they all look at each other. Um, and but So they, they've seen what the order is. They, 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 this bit of paper has proven which one of them is right. And we don't yeah. get to see it until they actually read out or the camera goes to it. But it doesn't happen until after they've authenticated it. They've all seen it. They've all looked at each other and they're all knowing and we don't know. And we're sort of sitting there going, God damn it, what does it say? And, and then it, he just pulls up the comms. And he's like, right, yeah. kind of stand down. Yeah, you got to stand down. Um, and everyone cheers. And it's like, yeah, everyone's happy with this outcome because it means we're not at war. <laughs> and, and this is one of those moments that, hey, you know, they're all cheering, music's going, and we cut to the dog in the court, in the, in the, you know, in the captain's cabin, you know, just, just, you know, barking happily. I'm like, ah, oh, piss off with you, stupid dog. Oh, uh, so no, the mo- like, it's really exciting. It really, all the characters really play off each other really well, especially the two leads. I, I, I think uh, it's a really enjoyable movie. Um, and it's actually a really watchable movie because I, I think you know you go into a submarine movie, you think, oh, it's going to be really tense and slow, and it may be really good, but it may be a really sort of depressingly slow movie. Um, this is actually this is a Hollywood movie. It's a very sort of flash, flashy thriller. Like I said, it's, it's very much an action thriller. Um, yeah. 
which when it's doing that stuff, it is great at doing it. And you know, there there is nothing wrong with enjoying one of those movies. Yeah. So no. Um there you go. That's the movie. That's Crimson Tide. Yeah. Uh it's uh pretty 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 good. Um so that leads us to rate it. Uh what are you giving it? I think maybe an eight. I wanna go higher. I wanna give it more, but I think just the the fact that it isn't quite got the depth to back up what it's trying to say uh, kind of brings it down to just the enjoyable surface fun which is still great which is why it's an eight yeah i would also give it an eight i think um you know the direction and the performances um and the hands Zimmer score i mean we mentioned at the start the music's good but the music is yeah, very good it um uh, it gives it this air of respect <laughs> does the music um uh although minor complaint there's a moment where they're all getting on the sub there's a guy with the uh the it's not a trumpet I can't remember what he, what he had. It's the smaller, shittier version of a trumpet. What do you call it? Bugle? Yeah, he's got a bugle. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he's got a bugle, and the music's like ramping up and doing the main theme, but you can still kind of hear him playing his bugle over it, and it kind of clashed a little bit for me in the mix. I'm like, well, why, why do Drown that shit out. Get rid of the bugle. <laughs> we can see he's playing it. We don't need to hear it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, that, that's not Mr. Zimmer's fault. That's the sound mix's fault. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mute the bugle. That's all I'm saying. Good advice for life. <laughs> uh, so, no, that's Crimson Tide. Uh, so let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. You can like and subscribe. Ding the bell on YouTube. Make sure you get the notifications for all our content. Check out the other shows we have. We have two other movie podcasts that are very consistently out on a weekly basis. We have Screams After Midnight, the horror movie podcast that I do with Tim. And we have the Atomic Cinema Experiment, The Ace, which I do with Tara. Uh, those both go out every week. In fact, the uh, Screams After Midnight will be getting a couple of extra episodes starting in January as well. So um, those are both worth checking out. Uh, if you're into those genres um you can support the show by rating us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from five stars and a little review helps us out uh, more people will find us that way and uh, spreads the audience a little bit so you can do that um we mentioned patreon earlier for financial support so please consider doing that as well and uh, maybe join me for the occasional stream that i do on youtube if you want to come and chat about movies or or whatever um it's always good fun in fact i'm doing one tonight at the time of recording which means nothing when you hear this but because it's at least a week ago now for for most of you, for most of you. But hey, hey, and even even for the people getting Patreon, you don't get it till tomorrow, so I mean, it's irrelevant. But hey, it's happening. Uh, I I, uh, I imagine if you ding the bell on YouTube, it will give you notifications when when streams are happening. It should do. Yeah, yeah it should do. Um, there you go. So, um, although YouTube can be funny with its notifications, even if you have rang the bell. Yeah, because yeah, YouTube's just a dick at things like that. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, but yeah, um, you can also get shirts and t-shirts and, uh, and hoodies and stuff. I'm wearing a Screams After Midnight shirt right now uh, that I just got. So you can go to Spreadshirt. Uh, there's links in the description to both the US and UK stores. Uh, so see which one you want and, uh, and get, get a shirt if you want. But uh, that is us. So thank you very much. I've, I've done selling everything that we I need to plug at the end. Um, this has been 121 in Flux. Uh, we have been talking about Crimson Tide, uh, Tony Scott's film. Uh, so we will see you next time for another Patreon vote winner, because uh, we've still got another couple to work through. But we're almost done. We're getting there. We're get- we should be th- done with them th- in December. I think it's just the one, and then we're up to date, I, th- I think. No, I think it's two. Is it? Yeah, because we've got a oh, Bergman yeah, movie true, that I think's true, next. Right. Yeah, there is two. The vote right now uh, is for movies from 2019 uh, that have slipped us by and are worth seeing. Um, so if you are a patron at the $5 tier up, remember to go vote. 
so that'll be my last thing. But that has been us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys. And if you can get it, it's always nice to have. And it'd be really handy in this movie, actually. Diplomatic immunity!